Hello and welcome to another episode of Nonprofit Vision. This is your host, Greg Nielsen, the president and CEO of Nielsen Training and Consulting. I want to welcome everybody back to the podcast. Um, those of you who haven't listened before, this is your first time listening. You're in for a real treat with this podcast, uh, especially this episode where we're going to be talking about donor types for Giving Tuesday that you may not have thought of previously. So for those of you who may not be familiar, uh, Nielsen Training and Consulting works with nonprofit organizations all across the country, primarily in areas of board governance, strategy, and organizational development. The podcast here presents informative conversations with folks like our guest this evening, um, talking about issues that are really relevant to nonprofit leaders every single day uh, and, and really spotlighting some great information. So with that, I want to welcome our guest for tonight, talking about Giving Tuesday, Najid Kassam. Najid is the founder of Kila, and I'm going to let him introduce himself and tell us at, at the outset a little bit about Kila for those who may not be familiar. Absolutely. It's a, it's a real pleasure. Thanks so much for having me uh, today here. Um, a little bit about myself. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a husband, I'm a father, a new father. Uh, we had a baby 18 months Congratulations. ago. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, I'm a lawyer, recovering lawyer rather. And, um, and, I, and I, 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 get, I have the privilege every day to lead the team at Kila. Um, our, you know, I don't want to talk much about the company except to say that, you know, it's incredible, it's incredible to lead a group of people who you are inspired by every day. And, you know, our goal at Kila is to transform how nonprofits work through technology. So really um, to help build accessible, powerful, game-changing tech for every nonprofit, whether you're doing $433,000 a year or $97 million a year in donations. And we have different products and different uh, solutions, uh, software solutions for different organizations. But we're really grateful to help kind of build the plumbing of the sector in, in, a, in a different way. Of course, everyone knows the big players and it's strange to say because we're starting to become one of those big players, but we still think of ourselves as fighting for the little guy to, to build the plumbing to support amazing organizations around the world. And Najee, that was one of the reasons, that was one of the first areas where um, I, I connected with you and, and, our, and your company. Um, and then my heart has always been with the small to mid-sized nonprofit. That's where, that's where I cut my teeth. Uh, that's where I made all of my all of my mistakes, um, and that's where I, that's where my heart has always been is is with mm. small to mid sized nonprofits. And so when I when I came across your company and the work that you were doing, particularly in that space, um, that's where I saw an immediate linkage there. And I think we have to remember that eighty percent of nonprofits in the U.S. do less than two million dollars a year. You know, our mandate at Kila is to transform civil society through technology. You know, I did my master's research in the importance of civil society, read nonprofits and other organizations in maintaining democracy. If we want to strengthen our democracies, we got to strengthen the sector. If we want to strengthen the sector, we've got to strengthen the little guy, right? And so it's a pretty straight line to me. And so they're also the most fun to work with. You can really help to transform them. And I know you must see this every day in your work. Absolutely. So tonight we want to talk about... Um an event that has really grown exponentially Absolutely. in recent years. And, and it's one, you know, Giving Tuesday, for those who may not be familiar with it, it's a global generosity movement um, that, that aims to unleash the power of radical generosity. It was, it was created in 2012, and it had a really simple idea. One day to encourage people to do good 
in a way that was defined really broadly, right? So we're talking about donations and giving Absolutely. money. Giving Tuesday is designed to to broaden that appeal and to talk about all of the different ways, as you said, people can transform the communities in which they live Absolutely. locally, on a state level, globally, globally everywhere, Absolutely. every every which way. So, Nishi, yep. tell me a little bit about your own thoughts or your own perspective on Giving Tuesday. Well, it's interesting. I heard a rumor, and I have no way of knowing if this is true, but the original folks who started Giving Tuesday did it in response to um, Black Friday and Cyber Monday and all these things where folks would go out and spend ungodly amounts of money on most of the time stuff we don't need, to be really honest with you, especially those of us that are privileged to, you know, have the ability to waste money, for lack of a better word, and, you know, middle class and above, we're all very, very blessed whether it's video games or new golf clubs or God knows what, they're basically guilting us or incentivizing us to buy all this stuff. And I think the rumor, and again, unsubstantiated, so I want to be clear about it, was this was kind of the response to that. It was a day where we came together and, and spent a ton of money for good. We, 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 you know, we, we, we circled our calendars. We built campaigns towards it. There was some fervor and excitement and community um, towards giving. And I think, especially in a COVID world where we've been stuck in our houses for God knows how long, that community can come through through the digital world in a, in a, in a day like Giving Tuesday. Um, I'm really you know, privileged to know Woodrow and the team at givingtuesday.org. They're kind of, I don't know what they are, the brand owners or whatever you want to call them of the day. They're an incredible nonprofit. Um, uh, Keila is a member of the Fundraising Effectiveness Project, mm-hmm. which is an AFP uh, kind of committee, which is now partnering or supporting or you know engaging with Giving Tuesday. So to me, whether it's donors or the sector itself coming together and sort of circling around and collaborating to, 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 to encourage generosity and giving, to me, that is a brilliant thing. But we always have to be working to make those days better as organizations and as the sector as a whole. I think what you said that jumped out at me, and that's what I think is truly the best part of a day like Giving Tuesday, is that phrase coming together. That's what's always appealed to me about that, is how can nonprofits, how can nonprofits bring communities together, not necessarily pitting nonprofit against nonprofit, this is not a competition, but really how can we harness the tools and the resources available to the sector to transform communities? And I think that bringing people together is important. Maybe the most generous people in the history of the world. If you look at the pure amount of dollars and, you know, there's so much money being given let's celebrate that. Instead of celebrating shopping, let's celebrate giving. Let's, let's teach our kids and our grandkids how to give better. It's, it's a learned behavior. So, you know, for those of us who have children and families and are, are, you know, this is the kind of day where kids can start to learn about giving. What is giving? Why is it important? And it's something we can circle in our calendars to be teaching that and another kind of way of coming together to your point. So under that umbrella of bringing people together and harnessing tools, um, you know, you and I were talking before the show, there are um, certain types of donors that are sometimes Mm -hmm. overlooked in our efforts for fundraising. I've certainly have done it in the past myself Mm -hmm. um, that can really, if we are able to reach them on a day like Giving Tuesday and ongoing, Mm -hmm. can really transform the resources that we're able to generate for our organization. And I know from talking to you that you've identified five often Mm -hmm. overlooked types of donors to reach out to on this Giving Tuesday. And we're going to talk in this episode 
about giving nonprofits some tools, some tips and strategies. Mm-hmm. How can you make those contacts? Or just How can frameworks you open those to doors? think about them, right? Great, like, great point. It's like a, a reminder, like, hey, there are these folks that could be valuable. Giving Tuesday is almost like an excuse to engage with them in a different or new way, but really it's about longevity and consistency, right? And I think that's what gets that's what gets exciting for those of us who, who's to do fundraising all the time. So if I'm a, I'm a stressed out nonprofit executive director or development, there are none of those out there, right? We've never been in that position. <laughs> um, and I'm listening to the podcast today and I'm saying Giving Tuesday is coming up. It's, the, it's always the Tuesday after Thanksgiving or usually the Tuesday after Thanksgiving. And I'm looking at my donor list. I'm looking at my list of supporters. Mm -hmm. Before Mm -hmm. we get into those individual donor types, how should I be thinking about Giving Tuesday? How should I be thinking about using whatever resources I do have at my disposal um, on a a day like that? I think you said a, a really key word, and that's thinking. Because so much of fundraising is spray and pray. You know, it's like a hose. I'm gonna water the lawn. It's just kind of gonna go everywhere. You know, I think if if I've learned anything from the years I've spent serving the sector, both as a software company, but I've sat on boards for 20 years. Like this is, you know, as a fundraiser too, I say this, the more deliberate we are with our fundraising, the more preparation, and I don't mean it takes hours and hours of work, but you've got to think, you said the word thinking about, stop and think. Think about how you can do things differently. Think about how you can push yourselves. Think about how you can avoid inertia taking over and just doing things the way we've always done them. And I think, and I think, or I posit today that the more we're starting to trust data, the more we're starting to trust best practices, the more we're willing to look in the mirror and say as fundraisers, and like you, I have also made these mistakes hundreds of times, the more we can say, let's take a pause and say, how can we do this better? Because we're all exhausted. We can't do it more. More, if we have, you know, that's just, there's only so many sleepless nights we can have. And I think that that idea of thinking and, and purposeful work is, is really exciting to me. Yeah. You know, when I look back at, at different giving days that I've been a part of, and, and when you look mm-hmm. at the data, the word that, you know, think is a great word. The other word that jumps out at me for organizations that I've seen be really successful is intentionality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so absolutely. It's, it, it's not just looking at my donor database and saying, you know what, Giving Tuesday is coming up and I'm going to just blast out an email to my entire donor base. How many emails do you get? Like 80. Oh. In your uh, inbox yes. on that day, like yes. 7 a.m., they queue them up and they just go out, right? Right. Is anyone benefiting from that, really? Right, right. So it's, you know, that word intentionality of thinking about how can I be really intentional with mm-hmm. how I use this day? And as you said, not creating more hours in the day, but using the hours smarter um, in a way to have more impact and more effect. And and it's this, it's from here we can learn from sales and, and from other parts of the world. They aren't saying the same thing to me as they are saying to my mom. You know, they right. may want the same dollars, and you know, but they but they're doing it in a different way. The messaging it is intentional, and and the beauty of technology is it can give you a hand in helping you do that. So it doesn't have to be. You don't need to be a computer scientist or a, an Excel wizard. Things can support you in helping to have that intentionality and to actually do less but go farther with it right and so there's this I, I like to i love baseball and there's always this joke when if you're drafting somebody 
do you want the guy with perfect form that can get to first base in 10 seconds or the guy with terrible form that can get to first base in 10 and a half seconds? <laughs> you want the terrible, you want to, and we're all lucky to be able to make our, our, our processes better. And I, and I, I think technology can be part of that. Excellent. So let's dive right in with the absolutely you know, the, the first type of donor or the first, you know, kind of mm-hmm. archetype that we're talking about here today that you as a nonprofit leader development professional should be thinking about when it comes to Giving Tuesday is what? So I, I'm going to give you the whole list, not because we won't dig into them, because I don't want to pick favorites because it's so easy <laughs> to. And the first one in my notes makes it feel like I'm picking a favorite. So, you know, the five that we've really talked about internally when solving this problem with folks is the lapsed donor, the future legacy givers, the monthly donor prospects, the ideal peer-to-peer or network donors, and then lastly, the hidden major donors. Now, I what, first on my list is hidden major donors because every fundraising professional in the world is like, I need major donors. I don't disagree with you, but I didn't want to prejudice the conversation by jumping straight to major donors. (laughs) So I'm going to, so let's flip the script then. Let's start with the lapse donor. You know, we're approaching Giving Tuesday. I'm a nonprofit executive director and I have this list of lapsed donors, meaning, Mm -hmm. and just to define that, you know, someone who has given in the past, but has Mm -hmm. for whatever reason stopped giving. Yep. What Or never given again. Or never given again. That's what it is, right? Yeah. What should I have playing around in my head um, with respect to lapsed donors? So first, I'm going to throw a couple of acronyms at you that many fundraisers know, but some may not. And that's like libunts and cybunts, right? When we talk about the sector, we're going to talk about libunts or someone who gave last year, but not this year, libunt or cybunt some years, but not this year. Now, especially this is common when folks are giving for a very specific reason, a specific campaign, their mom, you know, recovered from cancer and they want to give as a thank you to the universe or, you know, they're giving once to their church or somebody's bar mitzvah, I don't know, something like that, you know, end of year campaign or a peer-to-peer campaign, their buddy's cousin was riding a bike. But, you know, uh, some lead is better than no lead, right? And so mm-hmm. the first thing that I would start to think about is like, who are these people? Like, where do, do I know who they are? Like, not all donors are treated equally. You started with that. Right? right. And so I think the first thing we got to be thinking about is like, are we able to quickly at our hands get who they are and why they gave in the past? I think that's an important conversation um, on an ongoing basis. We're talking about this in the context Absolutely. of Giving Tuesday. Right. But if you're looking to elevate your fundraising performance as an organization, starting with those lapsed donors and in getting to know them as but individuals. Giving Tuesday gives us kind yeah. of an excuse. Yes, it gets right? us so out like, of the lo- starting gate, you know? Absolutely. It, it gets us on our way to first base. <laughs> exactly. On our way to first base, you're kind of a couple of steps ahead. It's better than starting from the beginning. And it's like you said, it builds community. They've probably heard of Given Tuesday. There's, yes. a, there's a, a little foot, tiny one in the door, right? There's something that I, I've found in my own experience in fundraising. Mm-hmm. I, I'm curious your perspective on, because it goes to lapsed donors. People like to be asked for their opinion. They like to be asked Absolutely. for feedback and their thoughts. So reaching out to a former donor and 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 
prefacing the conversation with gratitude for whatever gift or gifts they've given in the past, and then asking for their feedback of, you know, what is there anything about our organization that doesn't connect with you now or still mm-hmm. resonates with you? People want to answer questions. It well, invites them into I have conversation. A data point on that. I read a study somewhere, and I don't know if the number is six or seven, okay? Uh-huh. But when somebody makes a gift, if you can thank them six times, they're X percentage more likely to give again. So like the first five or whatever the number is, I don't know, I wish I had the number on my head. You're not asking for more money. You're, you're stewarding them, you're thanking them, you're asking their opinion. You're, you're not just giving them a random report and you can do this at scale with technology. You can, there's a way to do it, right? But you're actually speaking to them where they came and where they are, excuse me, and why they gave. And by the seventh time, they've built a relationship with you, even if it's a computer doing the relationship building, right? That's right. They're like, oh yeah, she jumps, which helps educates girls in Colorado for with outdoor ed. I know what they've been up to. They had this, like they, you know, if you build that relationship, like, you know, when it comes to asking again, they feel connected. They feel like right. invested. And I mean that emotionally, right? I think that's really valuable. And I think there's, you know, there's multiple benefits to having that conversation. It's sometimes also just the right thing to do, right? Like, absolutely. I mean, but anyway, yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, sometimes it's just you learn, you know, they, that you learn that the individual just forgot, right? They made a gift in the past and they just haven't thought about your organization since then. And that's okay. And other times you learn something really important that can that can impact the way you are leading the organization. They gave because a certain program that you used to operate in the past mm-hmm. um, was really meaningful to them and you no longer operate that program or, or that aspect of the organization. So there can be a lot of good learning there, but I think the key point that I'm taking away from Lapstoners is giving Tuesday the day is not the time to begin that conversation. The time to reach out You're to the lap stoners is, case, is right? before then. Yeah, right. absolutely. But I think, it, again, you and I think you're going to see this a couple of times when we talk about these personas, uh-huh. use giving Tuesday as an excuse, right? Like there's a val- there's value in that, right? And I think that's, that's really, to me, an exciting opportunity. I think, though, we've got, I'd be remiss to say that this doesn't mean you have to pick up the phone and call every single lapstone right. ever. There are ways, there are processes that you can build. Folks like yourself can help people implement them. You can use staff, you can use technology, whatever, that help to make people feel more personal, even when it's not entirely personal. So right. this isn't a big work, make work project. There is right. ways to scale this appropriately. Let's go to the next donor type that you mentioned, which was monthly um, monthly donor prospects, I think you Yeah, remember. so I've got some really cool data points on this one. Um, yeah. So 60% of millennials are interested in becoming monthly donors. And I think that number is really interesting because everyone always asks me, Najid, I know millennials are the future. How do I make them give? You're kind of a millennial. And I'm like, yeah, I, I'm just at the edge. I, yeah, it's good to make me feel young. So- <laughs> Um, you know, I, I think we're so used to this Netflix subscription life Yes. that why can't we do it for good? Right. And so, you know, um, one, one tip that we, we, we have, and, and I'm speaking more, not as the CEO at Kila, but as a guy who sits on a bunch of boards and does fundraising all the time, uh-huh. you know, we had, we used giving Tuesday as a, like we had a matching program where we had a bigger donor come in and say, I'm going to match up to $250,000 or whatever it is. But the condition is you got to get folks doing it. And, you know, 
use that as a way to say, hey, look, this person's going to match. They'll match your entire yearly gift. So you don't have to give it up front. You, there's different ways you can position it. And, you know, I think the transition from one time to recurring donations is going to be a really important sustainability mechanism, especially for smaller organizations, right. you know, um, because cash flow can be tight. And again, Giving Tuesday gives you an excuse. Everyone's heard about it. You can, you know, they've just spent a ton of money on shopping the week before on Cyber Monday or Black Friday. They don't have to give the full donation. You can, you know, decrease the the um, the monthly, sorry, the the total at the time of the gift, but still get the value from it right. o- over time. And I really think the target is going to be the younger folks, the under 40s who are comfortable with putting a credit card on online, letting something charge it automatically, not freaking out that the receipt hasn't been sent to them right away. Like, I think um, that's the, 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 the demographic for, for, for potential recurring donors that I think is, is, is really valuable. And I think the the important takeaway that I have there is the importance of communicating that as an option. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you'll have Pete, you'll have donors who are proactive and who will say, "Hey, can I make a donation monthly?" More often than not, I've noticed it's in response to being asked to give a monthly. Well, next gift. after the research institute did a study, the research institute asked at next after did a study about the efficacy of pop ups right at the end of your form and how like it increased X number of percent, because if you're going to give a hundred bucks and someone's like, actually, why don't you just give $15 a month at right before they put the card in on the form. Right. And, and it's such a, you're getting more money, Yes. but it doesn't feel like more. And it's like, and it was just a pop-up. We're so used to that kind of communication, but to your point, it's, it's asking, right. I think it's really key. I think it's that proactive asking. It's it's planting that seed for someone. Absolutely. Which goes to the next um, type that I want to talk about, which is the leg potential legacy givers. You know, so we don't really think of to me. we don't think of them as part of Giving Tuesday. But I think again, like there's this community about giving. If people, if if you're gonna bank on uh, um, folks feeling the fervor, the 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 community of Giving Tuesday, again, there's planning involved in this. This is not like you send an e-blast the morning off, like I want right. to be clear. Right. But like, you know, interesting data points that, that I wanted to share. Um, first one is um, 50% of legacy donors have been giving for more than 20 years. So it should be pretty obvious who your potential legacy donors are going to be. Run that segment in through your CRM or your donor management tool. You're going to get the most likely group of people. That's first. Secondly, I hate to say it, but look at the age of your donors. Like, you know, it's again, an easy filter. Everyone born after, but born before 1975 or whatever the number mm-hmm. is, right? Like, you know, I think that's- Watch it, watch it there, Najid. I was born in 78. You're getting, you're getting uh, well, a little I, too I, close. <laughs> but, but you know what? I think the age, I think it's 44, people 44 and older. It's not like this is people. And so that was like the other data point I wanted to bring up. This conception that you only think about your death when you're 70 is wrong. I mean, right. like if you have kids, right. you've thought about your death. Like, let's, right. let's be honest about it. Right. Now, one of my staff actually said to me, make sure you mention that it's not about talking about death all the time. That's not what legacy giving is about. It's about leaving an impact and leaving an imprint, like creating a legacy, so to speak. And mm-hmm. so- think we're all smart enough to know we're going to die it's like how do you frame that and how do you right. position that for that next um chapter of, of, of your life I right think, 
sometimes it can be part of a continuum of conversations, right? Absolutely. So it, you know, it, uh, there are a lot of givers um, that I experienced, a lot of donors that we had that gave at a certain level each year during their working years. And yep. the first conversation that we would have with them wasn't about their death. It was about, are you interested in sustaining your level of giving during your retirement years when Which you don't have the same not, Exactly. It may not be. Maybe, you maybe not. You don't have the not, tax but, incentives. You don't have whatever, right? Like right. Is, right. Like, again, opening that conversation. Don't ask about planned giving in your first conversation about it. Like, think right. about them. Put yourself in their shoes. It Two also helps of, people. Yeah. It also helps people think about their giving as a continuum. Right. You know, wow, this nonprofit is thinking of us in relationship, not only this year and next year, but into the future. It, it, it sets a different um, well, it's context. Like your body around. of work as a donor. It's not just like one donation or one series. It's like great. Way how, what is my lasting relationship with something that especially if I've been giving for five or 10 or 15 years, I clearly believe. It. Right. Absolutely. Two other interesting data points. Yeah. One. Um, among donors age 50 and over, so older than 50, ha- with no kids, half of them had charities in their will. So wow. if you know folks, and increasingly folks are making family decisions where they don't have children, mm-hmm. um, those are your prime targets. You know, that's, I didn't know that actually. Like that, that was a data point that I guess you assume if you syllogize it, but it's interesting to note, you know, again, you should, you probably know that about your, your database or, or you can know it. The other thing is like people who are married give much smaller gifts. So if you're single and older, mm-hmm. you're thinking about your partner, my wife, your, you know, your whatever. Um, right. But if they're, they've passed or you never, or never, never married, you have something that you want to, mm-hmm last beyond you i'm lucky my kids will last god willing beyond me that's my legacy but for a lot of folks who don't have that giving can be a really great um way to continue your name or your legacy right right the Next. last one is pet ownership poems oh, oh, so uh, as a as a significant pet owner uh, well, sometimes so feels like a zoo expensive they are right they are but if you have a pet you're about 70% more likely to make an estate gift. Wow. I, I, that I is not one I've heard before. 70, yeah. So anyway. So now it's time to mine your donor list for, for all the pet owners on there. For single pet loving people above 44, <laughs> apparently. We, we have given people the, the key ingredient or the secret, the secret sauce. So, and that one I think is of, of my list is the least likely, like the least donor um, uh, giving Tuesday relevant one, but we really wanted to bring it in because again, it's a foot in the door, right? Like you, you know, and, and they're thinking about giving, but sometimes you say, don't give now or give less now, think about the future. And that's actually going to be better for your organization. Like, and it goes to that, like the thinking mind, as opposed to the rote or sort of, you know, the, the instinctual mind. So here's one I need to ask you about because I, I am not as familiar with this one or certainly not as well-versed as you are peer to peer. Absolutely. Talk to me about peer-to-peer, ongoing, so, and as it relates to Giving Tuesday. I mean, this is going to sound like strange for, because I'm going to talk about Bitcoin for a second. <laughs> and I don't know anything about Bitcoin, but I know that it's decentralized. And there's this creation of decentralization that we're seeing. You know, uh, folks really want to do things themselves. There's this like 
You know, it's sort of the old American dream, the Wild West. This is my kind of thing. Well, people are doing that about giving too. And there's increasingly more data that younger folks want to drive their own giving. They find communities, you know, I read this really cool stat and I don't remember what it was, but a ton of money is raised by online video gamers for charity. Did you know that? Like, Never would have guessed that. Neither would I. Again, I don't play video games, but Uh they run these... I guess kids watch other people make play video games on the internet. Like that's a thing. And they run these, like make a donation during my live stream, I think is the term. And so that's an example of a peer to peer campaign. One that I would never think about. It's like the, the decentralization of giving where you get folks around giving Tuesday to create this like, you know, this event to, to yes. your previous point, there's, there's that community, but they're not, they're, you're not relying on your community. You're relying on your donors or your supporters communities. And I think to me, this one is targeting millennials. It's targeting Gen Zs because they're a whole different thing. Um, uh, one that I don't really understand a, a lot about. A couple of indicators that I think, you know, if you look in your database that, that are useful to find these sort of folks, um, you can find a tool that has helps you um, understand the network effect of people. You can use a social media, look at like things like followers, engagement, et cetera. You can kind of see, cause a lot of peer to peer from these two generations, Gen, Gen Z and um, millennials are using their online presences as a way to reach and build community, right? So you kind of want to piggyback around that. Right. Um, secondly, peer to peer, um, real successful peer-to-peer drivers are not people that you randomly ask to do a campaign just for this time, but people that have either given or participated in the past. And so you want to kind of run a Libunce or Cybunce list on and find out who's been at least a little bit engaged because they, you know, they plus their interest in the past plus their network could, could and their generation mm-hmm. could be a, a really great opportunity. And Giving Tuesdays you know, like that rallying cry, right, for, for them. I think that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I think, you know, 45% of millennials are already giving online, you know, like on a regular basis. So right. to me, that's, you're adding network effect plus a specific day they can rally around, plus the fact that they're so comfortable giving online. That's the formula of a great Giving Tuesday, in my opinion. There's two words that come to mind when I think of uh, peer-to-peer on Giving Tuesday is how do you mm. empower people who are in your network and who are likely to be leaders in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how do you inspire them to actually do it? Right. Cause it's one thing to ask me for money on giving Tuesday or ask me for a donation. It's different if you're asking me to be so inspired that I'm going to issue a rallying cry to all of my friends, neighbors, absolutely coworkers and network that I'm going to put myself out there. So it's, it's really kind of, you're, you're working but, on but two I different tracks. Goes, but I think that goes back to that stewardship comment you made. These conversations don't start on November 15th, the week right. before Giving Tuesday. Right. These are strategies that you put in place that are going to yield donations, not in the week or month you start them, but if you start having these conversations in the summer or you know, at least trying to start to identify folks, or even now, it's early September, it's a great time to start thinking, who are the folks that I'm going to soft circle? How are they engaged in my content and my... You know, how are, are they volunteering? Are they are they communicating with us? Are they tweeting about us or whatever these young people are doing? You start that now, you can kind of begin to segment the folks 
who are likely to, to, to advocate because ultimately this is advocacy for your organization. Um, what I like about this conversation particularly is it's really fruitful discussion for nonprofit staffs. Right. If we if we have a development team or if we're a board that is a, you know, an active fundraising board to let's look strategically and intentionally at our donor list. And how can we just create some basic categories that might help us be more effective than we've been in the past? And I think these five ones that we're talking today are just five examples of 20 personas that we can absolutely. Right. And so. My hope is to give you a little bit of data to share a light on like five of the ones you could be thinking about. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it's for every director of development or head of fundraising or, or, or executive director to think, what would be mine? Like, look at my list, know my supporters, know, and, and how do I start to be intentional, to use that word again, like to think about these things um, and, and let your decisions be driven by data. I really do want to you know, demystify and, uh, that because I think ultimately it's going to help us all do better at our work. Well, Najid, we now hit the last of the five yep. donor types. We have <laughs> every we have kept everybody waiting on the edge of their seat for your number one there, which was the uh, hidden or potential major donors. Talk to us about that one. Yeah, and look, I, I tongue in cheek cheekedly said, you know, everyone's running, but they the, the value, the return on it time and investment in major donors is worth it. What I didn't want people to assume is that's the only thing that they should care about, but absolutely they should care about these major donors. So many organizations need big orgs for matching, for inspiration, because major donors aren't just about money. They're about exemplars. They're about communication. They're about building your brand. They're about They're the folks that are either going to join your board, support your board. There's so much more to a major donor than just the check you're getting, Um, which is why hidden ones are so valuable, right? So a couple of things that you should be thinking about. I'm a big proponent of, of, of getting wealth screening tools. We don't have them. So this is not a sales pitch. Like I don't, Kila doesn't have a wealth screening tool. We integrate with a bunch of them, but we we don't, uh, you know, I think it gives us, insight that's super, super valuable that'll allow us to understand and be intentional about how we're targeting. If somebody asks me for a major donor, I just had a baby. I don't have any, like I can make a $500 gift a year. Sure. You know, we, we pick our orgs, but if you're asking me for $10,000, I'm like university for my kids or like, it's not even a question, right? So by having some of these wealth screening tools, by having some insight into your, your, your database, it really helps. But how do you find those hidden ones? Because that's what everyone wants to know, right? Um, I think the first thing is real estate ownership. You know, it is a really, really good indicator. A, a donor or a potential major donor who has at least $2 million of real estate is 17 times more likely to give philanthropically than the average American. Wow. It's a big number. Like, you know, like, so... If somebody's got, and, and I think, I don't have the data point here, but some people with a second home are almost always major donor potential con, you know, you know um, right. contacts or prospects. Right. So wealth screening tools help you with that. You know, um, folks that have <clears throat> recently liquidated stocks, huge opportunity because there's tax incentives to, to making sure you give in the year they do. So that's when a major donor can come. And again, because so many stock, so much stock information is public, 
these tools can give you access to this. You can actually find out, you know, did X or Y or, or Z do well? And if they did, this is a good time to be asking. And they're hidden in the sense that they may not have had the ability to give until they had that liquidation of it, right? right. Folks who make political, so it's the law that all political contributions are obviously public. Mm -hmm. um, folks who've given at least $2,500 to a federal political campaign are 14 more likely to donate, 14 times more likely. Again, an indicator that they're, they've got means and generally if they're giving at that threshold, they've got means that, that are more than folks like me. And so again, if you're crossing that, the number that, that the research shows is if they've given 2,500 bucks, that's the getting close to the limit, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, folks generally give the limit, not always, but when they've got opportunity to give more. So that's another indicator, right? And that data is public. You can go on the, I think it's the FTC website and just like type in someone's name and it's, you can find that information out. So there's some, some opportunity there. Um, and lastly, um, you know, you look at folks that have made major gifts anywhere. Right. So not just to your, you know, sometimes we're a bit myopic in looking at our fundraisers. We only think about our organization in the context of us. But if folks have made a big major gift to another institution, likely they have the capacity to do it to ours too. That doesn't mean they will. That doesn't mean there's not a ton of work. But Giving Tuesday is not the time to ask them about the major gifts. What it is the time to do is get your foot in the door, get them to make a hundred dollar donation, get their email address, inspire them to make that first leap. And then over the coming weeks, months, and years, you can build. Does that make any sense? It makes a lot of sense. And I think one of the big takeaways that I had from that is, um, and it's an interesting framing, is having that conversation with a potential major donor, not just about the check they may write, but the other ways that that may impact the organization, Absolutely. how it can serve as a beacon for others, how it could potentially serve as a matching gift. You know, you're giving them a menu of options um, to, to and, potentially and multiply that gift. Exactly. If you can give them choice, then they're going to they're gonna feel like at least they're going to choose one of them, right? Yes. As opposed to like a no, you know? Yes. You know, board members, obviously we all have quotas as board members to bring in through our networks and our friends and families, and that's fine. But you know, if there are big potential donors and they care about your work, engage them, invite them to a meeting or a board meeting. Think about them as a, you know, honorary this. So there's so many ways to engage folks. And I think Giving Tuesday is, again, that first step. Right. right. And I think the other the other the only other thing I would add when it comes to major donors is timing. Right. Absolutely. You know, think about what times of year are people thinking about wealth? Right. Maybe it's the holidays when they're getting a, a bonus or maybe it's tax time when they're trying to figure out, uh oh, I've got a whole lot more taxable income than I thought I was going to have or than I had last year. Think about timing also when it comes to some of these conversations. And, and I know you do some work around DAFs and kind of the work, the growth yes. of them. A lot of them have become around, uh, you know, exactly for that reason. It's been about timing. Like you yes. want to make a gift, you want to be philanthropic, but you also want to do it in a way that's going to allow you to be more philanthropic in the future and, you know, give you those tax incentives. So, you know, I think timing is key, especially for major donors. And that's why I brought up that liquidating any stocks or equity. When you have an exit, Absolutely. you have money and you either pay tax or pay to civil society. You know, right. like that's to me that I'd rather pay civil society. 
<laughs> Najid, as we wrap up, uh, you have dropped a lot of information, a lot of great. Sorry if uh, I was a little too data heavy today. No, that's awesome. We, I, I have learned. I, I've got to take some time and just process all the information. As we wrap up, what would you leave nonprofit exec? Let's start. Let's go back to where we started the conversation. The nonprofit executive director or development professional that's listening here, approaching Giving Tuesday. What are the two or three takeaways that you would leave them with from this conversation? Apple. The first one is thank you for all your hard work. I think folks in the sector are not thanked enough. It is a slog out there and, and they're in the trenches every single day doing the great work of their organizations. And for that, I say thank you. The second one is you can and will be better if you allow yourself to be. Think a little bit differently. Take the data that I over overdid with you today and think about how I can apply that into my organization or my work. Um, thirdly, um, we are a generous race. People are, human beings are generous by nature and that goodness um, is real. And so building, having faith in a, us as a people, as, you know, as Americans or Canadians or whatever it might be, um, but do it in the right way. Don't just spray an email out and pray that, you know, a lot of people are going to give. Be intentional. And lastly, use data to be intentional. You know, like, don't be scared of data. There's nothing dirty or wrong about data. As long as it's obtained ethically and it's done, you know, securely, it is the, 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 it is the golden key to accessing people's, who they are, their behavior, and ultimately will allow you to connect with them stronger and do better for your fundraising. And don't be scared of that. You know, when we, it brings up for me, when we, when I do strategic planning facilitation, mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that we talk with as a, as a leadership team is with the board is responsible risk, right? And a lot of what we're talking about today is responsible risk, meaning Absolutely. step out on the ledge a little bit, use potentially, Just a use, little. I'm not saying jump out of the plane, right? Use giving Tuesday as an opportunity to, to, to test drive some of these mm -hmm. opportunities, test drive some of these, um, different types of reaching out that we've talked about on the, on the podcast today, and then see what the results are and, and absolutely and move on from there. So and do it with empathy, do it with the values of your organization. Yes. The mistakes are not going to really be mistakes. They're going to be opportunities to get better for the Christmas holidays or for next year or whatever it might be. Right. You got it. Najid, I appreciate you taking the time no, to join us today for those who want to learn a little bit more about Kila or who want to connect with you directly. Um, let, a, let everybody know how they can best get a hold of you and learn more. Yeah, for sure. So um, firstly, thank you for, for having me on. I'm happy to come back and nerd out about more data anytime <laughs> you'd like. I'd love that. Um, if To learn more about Keela, you can go to keela.com, K-E-E-L-A.com, exactly how it sounds. Um, and if you want to get in touch with me, it's just my first name, dot my last name at keela.com. Excellent. Najid, I appreciate you taking the time to Thank join us so today. It's been a lot of fun. For those listening to the podcast, hope you enjoyed this conversation as well. We'll come back and tune in for future episodes. We've got a lot of exciting guests coming up in the next several weeks. Um, if you're enjoying the podcast, remember to share it with your friends, your colleagues, other nonprofit leaders that you interact with, and leave us a rating, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Helps the podcast get noticed, and we love hearing from you always. With that, I hope everybody stays safe and stay well out there. Thank you.